welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James, and each week I'm going to chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Kate Graham, who, as well as Head of Content at Fosway, is helping to lead a very important conversation about women in learning. I hope this episode prompts at least reflection and consideration, and that it provokes action. I hope we all continue this conversation long afterwards. But without further ado, let's get into it. Kate Graham, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Now, you're head of content at Fosway, uh, as well as being an active member of the learning and development community. Now, I've seen your social media posts over the years, which have now come to incorporate video updates from conferences you attend. But this is the first time we've met. So thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. And it is bizarre that it's the first time we've met because I do feel like we've known each other for a really (laughs) long time. So it's an absolute pleasure to be here and it's a pleasure to meet you. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, But first things first, Kate, how would you describe the role that Fosway plays in learning and development and your role within Fosway? Fosway's role is we are an independent analyst. So lots of people, especially in the UK, perhaps don't understand the role of the analyst, but our role within the industry is to really look at the trends and the um, the progression or not thereof around mm. technology, strategy across HR, talent and learning. Mm-hmm. If you think of it like a Venn diagram, you've kind of got HR with some of the core HR processes, L&D, and then you've got kind of talent we, we always see as being in the middle of that Venn diagram. And our role really is to help organisations, corporate organisations, as we tend to refer to them, make better decisions about what they're doing. So whether or not that's how they're investing their money or where they're taking their strategy, their digital strategy, how they're tackling digital transformation, for example, Mm. that's always the priority. But we work very closely with the vendor community to understand um, organisations like like Loop, for example, kind of newcomers, what are you doing differently? What are some of the incumbent providers doing? How are things evolving? Things like AI is obviously changing the game, particularly Mm. in things like core HR processes yeah so it's our job to commentate and provide insight around all of that and hopefully join the two together in a bit of a virtuous circle mm. so kind of a like an independent pulse on the profession uh, both from a uh, an internal perspective because you've got to understand um, what the, the the needs and expectations are but also from a vendor perspective who might be pushing the boundaries of innovation but and if if I may say so in an industry where uh, a lot of the, um, it, I'd say it's, it's quite vendor-led with a lot of ideas, which I think that um, has been sometimes to the detriment of learning and development because the role in-house is is a lot different sometimes to the one that's painted out outside. By joining those together and being an independent uh, figure, you've you've kind of got the best of both both worlds, and you can you can frame a realistic as well as an aspirational picture. Pragmatic is the word that we use yeah. a lot. And Nigel Payne, actually, who I understand is a, is another guest on your podcast, mm. he said recently, it's like we hold a mirror up. Yeah. And that's really important. And I think a lot of the time the vendors get bashed. Uh, and actually, a lot of the time it's about how things are implemented or yeah. how the vision is communicated or executed within an organisation. And and I think you're right, sometimes L&D can be vendor-led in terms of people are very distracted by the shiny and the mm. new and the tools and the tech. Again, that's not necessarily the vendor's fault, um, in, in my opinion. So, yes, it is very much about kind of holding that mirror up, finding out what's really going on mm. and definitely having that pragmatic 
kind of real world advice and how can how can people make a better situation how can people evolve what they're doing and what's your role as head of content at Fosway so my role has um, evolved uh, in recent times to, to head of content. So I am involved in every single piece of content. So not in a, in a learning um, context, but in a kind of resources, research, insight mm. type of context. So whether or not it's an infographic or it's a report or a new piece of research that we're doing or a new survey, all of that kind of comes through me and, and, and sits with me. So I work right the way across the team. Um, I work with corporates and, and vendors alike, mm. work very closely with our director of research um, and obviously very closely with our CEO, David Wilson. So it's a great role. I get to stick my fingers in lots of different pies. And I think it's really important to be looking outside as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of what we do is about numbers and data and analytics and those sorts of things. But it's very important to be able to have a, like you say, a pulse, finger on the pulse of the industry and see what's happening in reality as well and how does our stuff fit in with that and how do we lead the conversation in other ways great and Kate as well as an opportunity to get to know you uh, a bit better and uh, and your work at Fosway I also wanted to speak with you about a conversation that's that's pretty topical at the moment and um and quite rightly so um a conversation that you're prominent in uh, in and it's about women in learning um I know that you're not the only figure uh, within this, and I've heard you recently on the Good Practice podcast uh, speaking eloquently with uh, with other panel members. But I wonder if you could tell us now, uh, for for the benefit of this podcast, um, what what this conversation's about and why it's important now. So the conversation around women in learning goes back a few years, and it, pre- it predates my involvement by some way. Um, so Elliot Macy, um, who's a, a very prominent um, learning expert, mm. conference organiser extraordinaire in the US, um, he holds a huge conference every every year, which has actually now been acquired by Closer Still, the own learning technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, decided that he had a captive audience a few years ago. And so wouldn't it be great to kind of shine a light on women in the profession? Mm. And so Sharon Claffy Kaliubi, who is uh, based in the US, she's an in-house uh, practitioner. Um, she comes over to the UK a lot. She won the um, LPI award for um, CLO of the year a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. So she's quite well known in the in the UK as well. She got involved with Elliot in terms of running those things, because obviously Elliot Macy is not a woman. Mm. So it's great that, you know, a man sort of shone the spotlight on this, but it's also a bit of a shame that it took a man to bring the conversation mm. forward. But Sharon picked up that that ball and ran with it. And she's also worked with uh, Learning Technologies and Don Taylor in, in the UK to bring that conversation over here. So it's hosted a few panels and things before. And... Don Taylor originally did some research a few years ago and then last year updated it mm. um, around the number of women in senior roles in the profession and how the those roles split. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in the beginning, yeah. in, in a minute. But the stats are not great mm. in terms of women progressing to a senior position. So when I was asked to get involved in this year's panel um, at Learning Technologies 2019, I did some. I did what I always do, which is get people involved in the conversation. So it's it's on LinkedIn, as you say. It's it's sort of short videos to camera. It's asking people what they think on Twitter. We had a great panel, mm. and the debate just caught fire. And 
you know what it's like. There's a lot of stats that you get from LinkedIn around, oh, this was a good post because it got lots of likes. Mm. But the engagement was far and above, you know, anything. Some of my usual stuff I put out was like, wow, this has really caught people's imagination. And after the event, I was getting a lot of input from people around, have you heard this podcast? Have you read this article? Have you read this book? Have Mm. you seen this other piece of research? And I thought, I need somewhere to collate all of this stuff. And so it's not terribly scientific, go where the people are. So LinkedIn, I started a group. We opportunistically launched it three weeks later around International Women's Day. Mm -hmm. But we had 15 or 16 other ladies from all over the world share videos with their Cheryl Clemens, very kindly um, let us use her story tag at all to do that. And it just kind of caught fire. And we've got over 500 people. And I say people, that's really important. It's mm. it's not a woman-only debate. Yeah. You know, here I am talking to you. The group is open to everybody. And that was very deliberate. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just captured people's imagination. And um, somebody said to me, it's a bit like the Me Too movement. Mm. And it hasn't got its roots in quite as, you know, a sinister yeah. Uh, you know, area is that, but it it does have that kind of sense of it being a movement. So I'm just really happy to be able to um, feed the feed the fire. I suppose it's there. It's mm. caught people's imagination. So let's go with it and try and do something useful. Yeah, and from what I understand and my uh, my limited understanding, I've read you know I've read read stuff about it, but um, I think for, first of all, it, I was going to say that it's it's based on research. You've alluded to to that too. Um, but my, you know, having read this stuff, I think that uh, the, the the thing that strikes me, and I think that uh, which is the elephant in the room right now, is that I can't possibly understand. I've invited you onto this podcast so that I can understand a little bit more. My only qualification really is that um, I have a daughter and I care hugely about the world that she's going to come into. But as for um, uh, bio- and you're in learning, yeah, yeah, I'm in learning, yeah, of course. Um, so I understand the context of the uh, of the profession, but being a uh, a white middle aged middle class man, I can't possibly understand the um, the barriers that may have been placed that may be explicit and implicit at times as far as being a, a, a woman in learning is concerned. So I'm genuinely interested in what this research has said, how that then relates to to yourself, to uh, to the other women that you've been speaking with on the panel, um, to to heighten my awareness. And I'm sure that there are going to be people listening to this podcast who who, are, who want to be just as aware. There's actually research out there, much broader than, than our industry, that, mm. that shows that it often takes men having a daughter to be aware of some of the issues. Yeah. And so you're, you're definitely not alone there. But the research that Don did um, was just based on the Learning and Skills Group, which is a huge community now worldwide. It's, mm. you know, it's got, I don't know, 12,000 members or probably more um, worldwide now. So if you look at the split of support roles in L&D, and this is going on job titles. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, I'm sure Don won't mind me saying it's not the most scientific, but it's definitely a really good indicator. So across support roles... 33% men, 67% women. Practitioner roles, almost 50-50. 53% men, 47% women. Mid-level uh, is 51% men, 40, no, 49% men, 51% women. And senior roles is 69% men, 31% women. And so 
there's a there's a barrier mm. and that, this that's in-house type of roles yeah but actually my experience on the vendor side certainly in the uk uh, shows me a similar picture there's lots and lots of male founders of software companies and content companies yeah. and i mean great that's that's great and uh there's some companies out there with lots of fosways mostly women for example mm. there's lots of companies out there but where are the founders yeah you know there's a few kind of notable people that spring to mind like cheryl clemens at story tagger and juliet denny at growth engineering but you know where are the rest of them so i, I see it as a again you know it's two sides of the same coin yeah. um although i don't have stats on that yeah and, and i think that's why it's important to recognize that that this is a conversation as well as it is a, a statistics, or, you know, or or it's a report. So, so leading on to that, what what is what's the what's the conversation shedding light on uh, within this? It's just fascinating to see that the women aren't getting to that senior level. Mm. So, why is that? Now, I mean, we can talk a little bit more about, like, I don't know, sort of geopolitical kind of environmental factors as well but there's there's obviously something within the profession because women are not underrepresented mm. here as a profession some women some professions uh you know my husband's just left the military for example women are underrepresented in in the military there's just not as many of them yeah but i don't think that that's something that you can say about learning and development so what is it that's stopping people getting to those senior roles now uh, Lorna Matty, uh, in the panel in um, February at Learning Technologies, she queried as to whether or not it's an organisational development issue more than a, a gender issue, because she is seen as a very, uh, she's seen as a leader in, in her organisation, she's learning leader, but her role, job title in yeah. the hierarchy of a very hierarchical Japanese company is kind of comes across as mid-level, doesn't mm. say CLO or similar so i think there's possibly an element to that throwing it off but again if you look at the split across practitioner roles and the support roles it doesn't it doesn't weigh up no it doesn't it doesn't weigh up um when i was at disney um before i left i was doing some research on um uh, on some of the barriers that might be affecting um women's rise through the ranks because as in any organization i mean disney was great for diversity and i, I think that um, whether it was natural, whether it was engineered, I think that there was good representation. Although when you got to the very top, you, you had um, strong and very successful female leaders, but they were outnumbered by by men. So we, so I started to dig around and do some research uh, outside of Disney, and it will come as no surprise to you that a lot of the research, um, uh, I was going to say, places the blame, but it's not places the blame. It's kind of um, the conversation kind of stops at children there's there's kind of a, a decision that, that women need to make um perhaps early on or maybe at a stage where they've got to make a decision around children and then it's then it's a conversation about career or children which in 2019 has got to be a, i mean how can that still be a, a choice people need to make and i think i mean it's, uh somebody i think it might have been anthony williams forgive me anthony if i misquote you but i think he he tweeted me the other day and said something about flexible working mm. um i'm the mother of two small children um and i have my own business when i have my mm. son i barely stopped um for good or bad reasons uh, you know and th there are ways you can make that work yeah. and uh i'm and i always say 
I, I sort of always have to correct myself because I can sit there and say, I'm lucky, mm. you know, and I can say, I'm lucky that I haven't experienced kind of sexism in, in my own career. I'm lucky that I work flexibly, but it, it's, it shouldn't come down to luck. Mm. That's not good enough because actually it's not just luck that all the men I've worked with have actually been massive enablers, not blockers. Yeah. It's not luck that I work for an organisation that is forward-thinking enough to work flexibly and, and virtually. Other organisations can do that. Mm. It's just that they don't. So it's not, it shouldn't come down to luck. And so I have to correct myself a lot of the time around that so but I think it does have to go more broad than that and uh, I don't think that it's it's almost like a cop-out mm. um I'm re-listening I, I read the book a few years ago but I'm listening to Sapiens um oh, yeah. and it's really interesting because they make the distinction all the way through the book there's a difference between biology and history yeah and there is a difference between um Oh, how do they call it that? How do they phrase it? I think it's the difference between sex, as in what your chromosomes are, and gender, mm. which is the stereotypes and roles that are assigned to whichever set of chromosomes you happen to have. And I'm in the middle of that chapter at the moment on on an audio book. And it's fascinating to re-listen to it in the context of now having these conversations around mm. women in our industry. And I think that, uh, that um, people listening to this um, and wanting to engage in the conversation, it's 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 hard not to relate your own personal circumstances to this. You've just talked about um, you you being fortunate to have not experienced it, and there may be people listening to this thinking they've never experienced it, or looking and thinking, well, I've got I, I only work with with women in learning and development, and I think what we've got to be careful of is, I suppose, the equivalent of looking out the window, seeing the sunshine, and thinking, well, the sun's shining in the world today. It's you know, it's not that what you see and experience isn't necessarily everything that's going on. And I think that that what is so important about this is that it is a conversation. As I said, it's not a, a report that's been published and now what we need to do is uh, is um, understand the the stats that we have as a you know a state of the union. This is a this is an ongoing conversation. We need to scratch the surface to understand what what the the not just the shared experience but individual uh, experiences are. And some of that implicit sexism that that clearly goes on not just in the workplace but but in society as well absolutely and you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the number of people who've commented on the research and gone well i report into a woman mm. or i've I, yeah. there's loads of women in our profession and uh, you know and the broader context of hr is actually an interesting one because there are a lot of female hrds but just because women are well represented when you actually boil down the stats they took me by surprise yeah I really did. I, I did not expect to see such a disparity at that level. So I would not be at all surprised, even though HR, I think, in my mind, you know, stereotyping, I think there's lots of, you know, strong leadership role type, you know, aspirational women to, to look up to. But actually, when you crunch the numbers, what what's the what's the disparity? Yeah. I'd be really, you know, I'd be interested to see that. But the numbers are the numbers. So... And that's the great thing about data. You you know, it's it's not like just looking out the window. Yeah. And I think that that's quite eye-opening. And I think that's why this has caught fire, you know, to so many people, mm. is that it's it's just opened people's eyes to an issue that maybe we thought wasn't there. And I think that there are, there are other... Um, there's more evidence in front of our eyes if we scratch the surface. There, uh, there's the... Uh, there are manuals 
Um, so men, men, white men on panels. That's um, a whole. That's a whole <laughs> topic. So, I mean, I don't know. So you know, you must know Andrew Jacobs. I do. Yes. So he posted a post last week. So he, oh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying he is a middle-aged dish. Sorry, Andrew, white guy, and he basically made a pledge um, using the hashtag. It starts with me that he would always ask now um, who else was going to be on the panel and what the the mix was going to be. And my boss was on a panel, so you'll appreciate this. Your name's David. Mm -hmm. So he was on a panel last year at a HR conference and there were more men named David on the panel than there were women. Yeah. So, and that's great. It's great to see Andrew taking that stance. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that if everybody just starts to pay attention and it's a bit, it's a bit like the, the plastic reduction. Yeah. Every little bit that you reduce is helpful. Every straw you don't have, every shampoo you don't buy whatever it is it all helps because it's cumulative yeah so i love that idea that if we can just start to become more aware and the people who are putting these panels together become more aware then you know that does start to snowball and take effect and unfortunately a, a contact of mine um who is a black woman has felt uncomfortable she's told me that she's felt uncomfortable in the last couple of years in that L&D kind of conference event environment basically because she feels quite underrepresented yeah and that's horrible to hear uh, because I like I like to think I've been in L&D my whole career and I like to think it's a lovely place to mm. to work and to be and the network uh so I think that looking at that like you say what are the aspirations it, it, it all all of that helps mm. so i think starting with basic things like manuals it's a very practical thing that people can do yeah and change yeah you're absolutely right the um uh, perhaps when you're th- considering it more generously you might think that there might just be some uh, underlying laziness in the booking of this but you just don't you don't even realize it because you I mean if you were thinking of uh, putting a, a panel or a, a conference speech together you could probably think of you know four in inverted commas uh, male thought leaders to one to, uh, to one female you know off the top of my head i might be thinking okay well, you could get jane hart in but then you might get charles jennings and you know and then and then from there it's easier just to name more males than 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 females but but again it's it, it probably goes back to what is it that you're trying to achieve and if if part of what you're trying to achieve is representing your audience as you've just said there then then that's a different thing than just trying to get some names names together yeah and i think it takes more thought mm. so uh learning um the learn the lpi have learning live coming up in september and um i'm chairing two panels for that one is the women in learning panel so that will be women focused although um we will have some hopefully some ethnic diversity Mm. um involved in that um and uh the new wave of learning panel again it's a mixture of ages backgrounds everything else and it's a challenge because just because you're a middle-aged white guy doesn't mean you suddenly shouldn't start being able to speak at conferences and that's really important to the whole thing it's not man bashing it's not trying to bash anyone but i read something or i saw something the other day about just because you pull a seat up to the table doesn't mean somebody else has to leave yeah and and i think that's really where you know i would hope that this debate is going yeah i can i completely agree with you we can't we can't be threatened by by the opportunities of of equality there's got to be more opportunity 
uh, and uh, and one that represents uh, learning and development more broadly, we're going to get more diversity of ideas um, and, and, and all the great things that, that come with that. But it was very interesting. And again, going back to your conversation on the Good Practice podcast, um, you talked about and I didn't I didn't catch the phrasing, but something women getting in the way of women. What was or what was what was that? Phenomenon? Yeah, that that stemmed from uh, I think it stemmed from a comment Ross made hmm. um, because Ross Garner, who hosts the Good Practice podcast, he made the same observation that obviously he's a he's just a guy. He doesn't hmm. he's not aware of some of this stuff. And he asked the question about women getting in the way of other women. I mean, I use the analogy of. Margaret Thatcher not having any um, other women in her cabinet, yeah. for example. And again, that comes down to seats at the table. And I think that has been historically, although I've not actually experienced it myself, again, lucky in inverted commas, um, it comes down to you know women looking around going, well, I'm here and there's not enough space for more than one woman. So do I have to then keep other women down to ensure my own space right. and i think that's that's what i mean by seats at the table is it's not that the men have to leave or or indeed other women mm. and it should just be really about you know lifting everybody up and i find learning and development as an industry so encouraging because everybody is involved in develop, wanting to develop people and whether or not that's their in-house learners their customers or their peers in in the industry, I've always found it's such a positive place to be. And I cannot believe that shedding light on this issue, you know, men or other women are going to kind of go, oh, no, can't can't have that. Mm. You know, there's more than enough room for all of those voices. And so and what we're, dis- uh, we're discussing here then with the, the, the now an overt representation of women, um, you know, if we did research, there's the small part on on manuals and or panels and and conferences. That's that's one aim. But what what about more broadly? What what are you hoping to achieve from this conversation? If you were perhaps really being aspirational, I think that I would like to see those stats change. Hmm. I think I would. I I I can't remember the the difference in it. It was three or four years between the first time that Don Taylor crunched those numbers and the second time. So I would really like to think we can come back to to look at that in a few years. I mean, it needs a bit of time. It's no good just looking at it next year, maybe. But these things take a little while to trickle through. Mm. But I would like to see, I would like to see those numbers change. Ultimately, you know, women should be in those senior roles if they want to be. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of the fat, some of the vendor side stuff as well. You know, where are the where are the founders? And and how can we again? How can we as an industry support that? Uh, you know, are there things that we can do to match like mentors and things like that? So that's part of what I'm. The next part of what I'm looking into with the the LinkedIn group. Um, so we're working on a, a survey at the moment to find out what people would hope to get out of it. Yeah. Um, and also some of the kind of the broader questions to dig into the the original data a little bit more. But things like mentoring, it's a great place to start. Yeah. And, you know, just being able to identify, you know, with a, a, other women who are perhaps in a role that you would like to be in. Yeah. Or even just knowing that they're there doing that job and that it's possible. Mm. I think that's really positive. So if there are some practical things that we can do like that, I feel really passionately about being able to start that. Mm. I, I, you know, I think you make a really good point there. It's uh, it's well worth 
shining a spotlight on on women who are already successful in um in within their field whether that's on the vendor side or the in-house side i think of uh, uh of something we used to do at disney um it was um it was getting a, a senior executive to in the, the cinema there just inviting people to come in um whenever they want to and it was that senior executive opening up to who they are so you could get to know them uh, a little bit more and i remember um one very senior executive her name was julie snedden um were, had a question about how she balances being a mum as well as on the board at uh, at, uh, at disney europe and uh, it was just her story that she said look i'm not going to uh, this complete paraphrase um uh, i'm not going to lie to you that this is a really demanding job and it's not a 9 to 5 i'm here early i'm uh, i go late i've got demands from my team but one day a week, I make a commitment to my children and my my husband that I'll be there. And then that's blacked out in my diary. I've already given it to them and I commit. And, you know, we'll go. And then she gives some examples of uh, what she might do during that time. And I think that 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 for me, you, you, first of all, you see the human behind the executive, because sometimes an executive might just seem a little out of touch, um, you know, out of your reach of what you might achieve. But as soon as they then talk about uh, how they achieve a level of balance, which you know isn't a balance on the scales. It's not fifty-fifty. They're, she's offering one day as well as the weekend, uh, perhaps to spend time. But it's that commitment, and I think that that putting a, shedding a spotlight on women in learning could could help to achieve similar aims. Yeah, and and again, you know, it isn't just about women. Mm. Um, it is. Uh, um, I was told uh, sort of roundabout about a young man who started in the industry who's uh, in marketing who said oh you know Kate Graham she's done marketing and dirty and she does this and he's maybe looking at me thinking well he's she's you know I'm a lot older than him sadly mm. um but he's maybe looking at me thinking oh well, she's gone from a to a to c but obviously there's b and there's lots of steps in in between that so how what do you do to take those steps to 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 move on and also, I think what your story just reminds me of is that kind of behind the facade. You yeah. know, I mean, I love Instagram, but nobody lives an Instagram life, no. really, do they? So, you know, I'm I'm rushing out the door. I'm trying to put washing on this morning. I'm, I can't find my son's school book. I haven't paid his dinner money. You know, I'm trying to do all of this stuff and then, you know, get on the train. And, and that's real life. Mm. So I think to understand that and be empowered by that knowledge is again something that you know we can do quite easily sharing videos things like that it doesn't have to be fancy no no it's just got to be stories it's got to be a way to to amplify those stories so um how how do you think this conversation relates more broadly to the modernization that's required in learning and development i think that is a brilliant question and for me i think the important thing about this debate is it that it doesn't lose sight of that link to our profession because that's that's kind of where that's where it's all started and i think it's very easy to fall into talking about things like having kids maternity leave whatever it might be and some of those factors you know which we can't really influence or impact very directly so i think to think about it in the context of that is really key mm. so your question made me think about uh the lpi capability map and this, the, some of the data that came out of that last year, the end of last year, was around the changing roles uh, within the profession. And 
things so things like learning experience architects, learning analytics specialists, um, performance consultants, all of these things that we're sort of starting to see emerging now. And I wonder if there's because it's kind of a less traditional or less well-trodden route, mm. if there's an opportunity there for women to look at that and go, well, that's not always been done by men. Yeah. Or, and I just wonder if that's all, all of these things that the technology is, is giving us in terms of these new roles and new capabilities, if, that, if, this, is a, if this is the time mm. at which people can go, well, it's not just about being a trainer or it's not just about being you know, an executive sitting around, you know, having board meetings. There's mm. actually a lot of different ways in which I can rise and be influential and become a senior player within this profession. Though I guess, you know, in an idealistic kind of way, that's where, that's what your question made me think mm. of. Um, and uh, so at Fosway, we we have a saying that L&D has a habit of delivery and, you know, I know you're quite <laughs> aligned to that from a lot of the stuff that you share. So what we mean by that is that L&D needs to get away from being so obsessed with like just content mm. and just delivering more and more content. And I wonder if that's a way of looking at this women in learning issue too. It, you know, is not promoting women and not championing women and not having them in senior prof- professions, is that is that a bad habit? Mm. Is, or is it, you know, is it just a rut we've got stuck in? Yeah. And as somebody who's going through a process of, you know, trying to get fitter and, and doing these things, you have to change your habits. Yeah. And you have to do it for over the long term. So I don't think that it's a quick fix, just the same as I don't think our profession is going to magically change no. overnight. But I wonder if the two can progress in parallel. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you there. I think that... Um, uh, you've you've spoken very generously of the people in our profession, and quite rightly so. That uh, that that we are and should be open minded uh, to the possibilities. We uh, we challenge our own thinking. We've got this uh, desire for flexibility and, of course, learning. And so, faced with this challenge, the statistics and this ongoing conversation, I think that we should hold ourselves accountable for our own development in this area. Uh, and continue the conversation. And what I'd say to anybody is, if if this is new to you, um, and you've not seen this yourself, or uh, or perhaps surprised by the statistics in the same way as as we've been discussing, I think it's probably more an indication you need to be getting involved in this conversation than ignoring it. Because as I've come into this today, we we do need to learn. And and if and if you're not experiencing this firsthand, you probably don't know about the the impact that this is having and and will continue to have um but but kate if somebody does want to get involved in the the conversation how can they do so so hashtag women in learning is the easiest way to to find us so that will find tweets and linkedin updates but there's also a group that's been set up on linkedin Mm -hmm. that i referenced earlier so we're now well over 500 members and that's men and women from all around the world in on the vendor side, consultant side and in-house side. Mm-hmm. And I've just I've been blown away to be honest by the number of people that have invited colleagues, friends, peers, and it's it's amazing what's happening there. And there's some some great things where people are just sharing useful resources. I'm trying to curate resources uh, well, I say weekly, but 
<laughs> that's the aim um but there's lots of good conversation um there's events there's links to things like this podcast being shared so i think that's just great to be able to sort of have somewhere to put this stuff which mm. is kind was kind of the aim in the first place and hopefully i will get this survey out in the next couple of weeks and we can start to delve a little bit deeper Wonderful. And if people wanted to follow you on Twitter, uh, perhaps on LinkedIn or any other social, um, how do they I'm do so? I'm at Kate Graham 23 on everything. Wonderful. Well, Kate, this has been enlightening for me and a huge pleasure. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the conversation there with Kate. Now, we all need to take responsibility for continuing this conversation, for learning and acting to address obvious as well as hidden inequality and to question more than judge. That's what I'm going to be taking away from this. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or on Facebook, for which you'll find links in the show notes. Goodbye for now. <laughs>